I feel like I'm I'm on this like borderline with my personal brand on Twitter where I'm I'm like not edgy enough to be considered post left, but I'm not like you're too materialist to be uwu. Yeah, I'm not I'm not like squishy enough to be like part of the uwu crowd to be accept that's the thing as I'm like <laughs> I'm not I'm not accepted into bread too. I'm not accepted in post left. You're hacking valid either way. But I you know what I I like it. I like being undefinable. That I mean that's kind of like the whole point of this stuff, right? Is that um what Carl Bajir is talking about is he's he's uh, heavy into this sort of market demographic logic. I was looking back. I've even replied to Carl a few times on Twitter. Oh, really? What did yeah. you What did you say to him? <laughs> Well, he did a good piece about localism hmm. early last year. It's behind Substack now, so I can't reread it. But at the time, it was one of the uh, few critiques of it that I that came that came across my radar, and it, it started to make me think about uh, the limitations of localism. And you know, you fast forward today, and Carl is kind of labeled as an Amazon Marxist. <laughs> huh. Like. Uh, he's in favor of big big industry then he thinks that's like is that- I, honestly, I honestly don't know i don't know the beef with him that much like mm. I, I honestly he's been off my radar for a long time but uh people say that he's like a bezos marxist <laughs> so, right yeah i've been hearing that tossed around a bit right so i don't know you know maybe you know maybe he's a traveler with like lee phillips and stuff like that but um he did have a good critique of, at least from what I remember, it was a good critique of localism, but yeah, you know, that's not really the point is it's not about this, like individuals, morality or goodness yeah. of his takes. Exactly. He just happened to write a piece about was being labeled as the post left. Exactly. And it, I think it tracks a lot with the, the bread tube discourse. It does. Well, I, the thing is, I, I don't know anything about him either. I've just heard his name from a lot of people sort of like talking shit on him. Personally, I've never followed him. I've never read anything of his. Um, so I don't really, bleh, I wouldn't know what to say about him. But but that's kind of the thing too, right? Is that um, we should be able to sort of separate ideas from the people saying them and not just shoot down ideas because we don't like the, the people that are saying them. But on the other hand, we should always look at the motivations behind why an individual is saying what they're saying. Um, so I guess that's kind of like the synthesis we have to do is separate the, the, the message from the person, but also look at the motivations behind the message um, and then take, take what we want from that, take the good things and sort of um, extract extrapolate what we need from it yeah yeah and uh it's so it's so interesting uh because i feel like he actually he actually does land something something kind of decent about 
the post love, which is, and I think, you know, I've heard Angie say something about the Angie speaks, say something about this, that we have to remember, we can't just make a market, a new market for dunking on bread tube or dunking on the traditional left as we know it. Um, certainly like that's less of a problem. It's not really a problem right now. I don't think because the market is not really big, but it, I think the sentiment is only going to grow in the in the near future and in the long term, um, as the absurdities and the contradictions become more and more apparent, uh, more people are going to be rushing in to um, turn it into a market. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of what I took from it too, which is why I, I tweeted that, um, you know, Carl has discovered uh, fandom and anti-fandom reactionary marketplaces, social capital and billionaire funding. So there's a lot of truth in, in what he wrote, um, but it's like, he's just applying it to a specific group of people that he, you know, maybe has personal interpersonal beef or, right. or drama with so what we have well, the challenge then is to take that that critique the essence of that critique and apply it everywhere not just where um where it suits our our personal yeah. needs right it's like he's taking something valid and then he's a he's filtering it through a uh, in-group out-group thing and the impulse i think I haven't seen too many people on the post left do this, but the supposed post left, um, there is the impulse to kind of use an ad hominem attack against Carl and Carl world and uh, write off the whole argument that he's making. I think that there are valid things, but I think, and I think part of the, uh, the acrimony against him is that he's kind of, his positions are kind of shifty and he's kind of, uh, at least this is the, the well, accusation. Same, against, I mean, the accusation same, against him is that he kind of moves the goalposts. It's the lot. same. It's the same thing with Jimmy Dore too, right? Like yeah. <clears throat> before the other week, I had never, uh, you know, listened to Jimmy Dore or anything, and and I'm sure like there's, you know, I've I after he said what he said, I did watch a few of his older videos, and he's spot on about electoral politic kind of things, but you know, on the other hand, he'll, he'll say things that I totally disagree with about NGOs and whatnot. So like, that's the thing is you don't have to like totally endorse human beings as a, as a total, you know, package as a brand. That's, that's how we sort of replicate the overarching ideology is that we start to treat other people as if they're like total brands that we either have to endorse or just we have to purchase or not purchase, you know, like, yep. um, and you, and you say the supposed post left, which, which is another whole thing, right? Because what even is the post left? What, what even is it, is it, what's the definition of it? Who falls under this category? What, what makes somebody a post left and not a post left? And this is the exact same thing as bread tube. This is where I, why I started asking questions about, well, what is bread tube? You know, yeah. is, is so-and-so considered bread tube? What makes them bread tube? What makes somebody else not bread tube? These are just terms that sort of, sort of float up um, to the surface because 
the you know th- things are sort of naturally grouping and bunching and 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 people want to come up with with terms to describe these things but then we start to get into trouble because what even is the term how did we decide on this and and yeah. what it is is not that it's you know some sort of natural order of things that there's just we found we discovered in nature that there is a post left no it's just it's how how the ideology that's seeped into our brain and, and affects our our thinking forces us to sort of congeal people into groups so that we can make sense of them and so that you know we can we can say oh and then we apply our our market logic like oh i i i subscribe to this or i don't subscribe to this i am i am a purchaser of this product or I am not a purchaser of this product. I am a fan of this, or I am opposed to, to this. Am I? I am. I define myself in opposition to this thing. And and that's we get into. We fall into the same traps over and over again. Yeah, and the the, the market logic. You know, it was something interesting that Carl said in response to one of my. I tweeted about the the article, and I was like, you know. It's like the line from uh, that Adam Sandler movie where it's like, oh, you know, is the post left funded by dark money? No, but you can imagine if it was. Uh, and he was like, oh, well, he, he like immediately went into his, like, his individual morality, um, which is something a lot of people picked up on. That somehow like there's a individual path to doing to being a left media figure the right way. There's some like individual moral purity, high ground that can be claimed. And that's positioned against a like, that's that's used as like, it accompanies a critique of an entire group of people, entire like demographic group. And to me, there's a lot of like market logic embedded in that because you're saying like, that you know you're you're positioning your product as superior to the other product and you're saying like you need to consume my stuff not the other stuff the other stuff is bad i i my product is being created ethically you know organically uh with no genetic modification right this this implication that somehow because i'm critiquing this thing I am, you know, free of, of all of these things that I, I observe in other people, which is this assumption that, that people sometimes take on themselves or they accuse others of, I feel like I've been accused of this a lot where it's like, oh, well, you say that like, you know, you critique these fandoms and aren't you just creating another fandom yourself or another reactionary market? And I'm like, yeah, I probably am. And um, I'm not immune to this stuff. And I don't want people to like think that I'm somehow superior to this because I'm not and nobody is. And that's like kind of the whole point, right? Is we have to realize that nobody is superior. Nobody is inferior. It's just this is just how uh, how the system operates and how we we keep perpetuating it. Um, so so pointing out a, a, an issue does not automatically like mean that I, I I am innocent of of such things. I am absolutely not. Like nobody is. Um, yeah. And and we need to have like humility about that, right? And and realize that like and it yeah 
yeah go and, ahead. and implicit implicitly the whether it's like the people that critique bread tube like peter coffin and angie or the people on the you know kind of the twitter post left that critique the left implicitly there is a a journey that happens a dynamic that i am critiquing this thing because i once wholeheartedly believed in it i I was attracted to this thing because I've, I felt an inherent sense of, of justice or right and wrong. And mm -hmm. I wanted to be part of the solution because we all like, we all like wanted to do something like that. Right. Yeah. And uh, then I, I saw how, I saw how the sausage was made and I saw what was going on. I got disillusioned and I, I brought up some, some concerns about it and then people's reactions to that the people in the in-group, the true believers, I saw how they reacted to that. And it, it, and then I was like, oh shit, <laughs> like, there's something really like, there's something really weird going on here. I don't, I don't know. And then these people kind of become pariahs or, or, the, and then they, uh, they find, they want to critique it. They want to, they want to have the language to explain what happened. And, um, explain what it says about the movement beyond just personal beefs and uh instead of essentializing carl as like oh he's a grifter or whatever like he, he you know he's a player he's a player in a game uh he's not especially bad or good uh he's he's done some some work that i personally enjoyed his piece about localism it's not about him it's about the left it's about the left being utterly ineffectual and a mirage of you know what people think the left is that the left is growing that we're building all this power and what it really is which is a collection of action network emails and uh, <laughs> ngos that are controlled that are dependent on funding from billionaires and dependent yeah. on the whims of you know what books the billionaires read that month well that's the irony of his of his uh of his post, right? Is that, or is his, um, his article blog post, whatever you want to call it, uh, is that like that, that's the critique, right? That's the, the critique that we're applying to a lot of this kind of mainstream stuff that is supposedly, um, left wing, like, like black lives matter. And, um, that is funded quite literally is funded by billionaires and nobody is like i shouldn't say nobody but most people are not talking about this and that's really like worth more time and energy than saying you know oh that that a, that a gaggle of you know anonymous accounts on twitter are vying for funding you know, from, from billionaires for being, you know, just sort of ultra or whatever. I mean, it's, it's the same, it, it's, it's taking attention away from, from the bigger issue. Um, and it's, it's like kind of the same, it's an, it, it, it's, it feels analogous to the, the whole Nazi threat to the whole far right Nazi threat. Um, like, yeah, there are people who are legitimately like, I, I'm, they identify as alt-right and, and Nazis and whatnot. 
and they want to fucking kill people and that's bad but they're they're like such a minority of people that to worry about them instead of like the woke you know authoritarianism the woke austerity that is you know acting more like nazis you know <laughs> than than these the a couple of losers online who are just you know larping and doing like historical reenactment shit and just trying to be like you know edgy like right. these people are less of a threat than like the stuff that you're not afraid of the yeah. stuff that you're not afraid of is what you should be afraid of right and, and not just yeah not to yeah. say joe biden's a nazi but like his the material impact that he's going to have and the material impact that right the the neoliberal order is going to have on human beings is far greater than a bunch you know just these isolated like larpers who right. dress up like people from the 1940s you know exactly exactly well one part that really bothered me about carl's um his post was he sort of um shoehorned this idea that there is this this binary right that you're either anti-left or i'm sorry these their politics are anti-left and often overtly de facto republican um and then he says that they're self-identified independents who you know supposedly operate outside of the ide ideological slash partisan boundaries, and it's like, what is wrong with that? That's that's what we need more of. You know, we're stuck in this sort of like Democrat versus Republican, left versus right, bullshit, and it's it's such a distraction. And Carl's saying, no, 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 we have to operate within the ideological framework that's presented to us. We can't operate outside of it. We there's no such thing as an independent, and like that really fucking bothers me, yeah. because before 2016, I was never registered as a Republican or a Democrat, and I was like, this, it's bullshit. Both parties are bullshit. And I, I remember um, during the 2016 primary when Bernie was running. And he was an independent and I was like, okay, this is the one politician who I kind of like, who, who is more honest than any other politician I've ever seen. And, and he was running, you know, under the Democrat um, banner and, and I wanted to go vote for him in the primary in New York state. And I couldn't do so because I was not registered as a Democrat or Republican. Um, well, you know, especially Democrat, I wasn't registered as a Democrat and I was not, and New York had some of the most, um, some of the worst uh, restrictions on that, where you had to be registered like six months in advance to even vote in the primary. Yeah. So by the time I knew I could vote in the primary, I couldn't vote in the primary because I hadn't registered early enough. So I was sort of, and right after that happened, I, I registered as a Democrat. And I remember going into that, the, their, the Democratic, you know, headquarters. And, and I was just like, I hate that I have to do this. I don't want to register as a Democrat. I do not want to register as a Democrat, but I, I want to be able to vote. And this is, it's like the, the, the system kind of like forces you to play into this, like by, you know, two party system in yeah. order to play the game. And it, and it sucks. You know what somebody, somebody would just in the 
Carl Camp would just smile at you and be like, well, why don't you just build power and start a third party instead yeah. if, you, if you don't like it? You know, and it's like, no, no like, <laughs> I, I mean, that's what people are trying to do, like, at least not literally, but like people are, I mean, the, the, the thing is like, people need to talk about it and like explore the contradictions and talk about it and develop a new politics that uh, is viable with the vast majority of people out there. Uh, what we're doing, you know, what the left is doing now is not viable. It's, it's like, it is, you know, on many levels it's, and it's not just about Carl getting, getting paid or not paid to write articles. It's about the left uh, being kind of this, like this marketing, this marketing tool that turns out people for elections. Yeah. Mostly funnels resources and votes and attention into democratic, you know, Democrat party uh, constructs does some some or some attempts at organizing and to various degrees of success uh but mostly is like kind of just flailing around outside of where workers are and that in, that includes that includes you know people of color who are workers and black workers um you know you talk to them like <laughs> you talk talk to them and like socialists are a joke to them or socialists aren't really like doing anything for them. They're not delivering anything for them and they're not part of, they don't feel like they're part of them. Well, if uh, anything, they feel like, it yeah. feels like a separate group, which is like, well, if anything, not be the way things are, the media has, you know, turned socialism into kind of a naughty word. So, I mean, at this point too, I'm like, fuck even using that word. I don't even want to use it. Like, I don't want to be called, I don't want to call myself a leftist. I don't want to like do this. This is, and, and people will say, oh, you're dog whistling this or that or the other. And it's like, I'm dog whistling the people who like are sick of this shit. <laughs> you know, the people, yeah. like people are good. That's the, that's like a, such a taboo thing to say now is that human beings are inherently good. Yeah, there's some people who have some trauma and some they're sort of twisted into doing stuff that they wouldn't normally do. And like, but human beings are good. And there's so much essentializing right now. There's so much like, oh, well, you're this, you're that, you're a white, you're white, you're a PMC, you're this. And it's like people, most people are just operating to get by. Even the Carl Bajirs of the world are just operating to get by in this fucked up world. And if we stop essentializing people and we start saying, you know what, most people don't like the way things are going, then we start to build some kind of like unity amongst, you know, the, a class of people who is being exploited by a few at the top. And even the people at the top are just like, they're replaceable too. It's, it's not even them personally. It's the system that incentivizes maybe some, some behaviors, some sort of like dark triad behaviors that these people might have, like so, some sociopathic behaviors that, that these people have where, where they're just so committed to like their own pursuits that they kind of like lack this, you know, uh empathy for human beings I, I you know there are people who are clinically like that I, I i don't know i mean you start to you start to pathologize people like 
you know, Bezos and Buffett and all these people. And Buffett to me just seems like he has a gambling addiction that's gone, you know. <laughs> you mean Warren Buffett? Yeah, Warren Buffett. Yeah. Right. I know we, we talk about the, the kids so much, but hmm. yeah, no, I mean, how do you get in that position, right? I, it's the, I, the system, the overarching ideology that, that sets it up so that the people who are like that will, and the, who are not only like that, have, have those inclinations, um, but are lucky and have the resources. So it's, it's all these little factors that sort of guides certain players into these positions. And I think this is the, the thing that always happens too in like these well-meaning nonprofit situations is that um, it ultimately attracts people who are the most career-driven or even in, in politics too. It's, it's, it always attracts the people who are the most career-driven. Um, and the people who are more sort of like lean more towards just like wanting to just get by and do what's right and help out are the ones who get taken advantage of. Yeah. And you know, the, the people that are being like the people that are being even pointed out in this article, like what's left and the good old boys, Angela Nagle, you know they're they're de- they're attempting to demystify what's going wrong, and uh, it has it has. I mean, sure, like they're they're building up like a little Patreon, at least the what's left and good old boys and the bellows, they're building up a little Patreon and whatever. But uh, they're attempting to demystify what's going wrong, why why the left is losing. We have Joe, we have Joe Biden as our our president and Kamala Harris is going to be the next president after like not even run, not even being able to run in her own state. She would have got, she would have come in like fifth in her own state in the primary. Uh, so something is very wrong. And these people are attempting to analyze it, talk about it. Uh, I don't see what the problem is. <laughs> I mean, I see I see a little bit of this sort of worshiping fandom culture with people like Amy Teresi and, um, you know, all of these figures. Right. Yeah. Um, the, but that, that's the thing is like, instead of saying, well, that means you're totally like, um, you know, inert, you're wrong because you have fans or whatever, like, <sighs> That's the thing is like, I see, I see how people worship yeah. Amy and I, I like, sometimes it turns me off and I'm like, fuck this shit. I'm not going to be another one of her simps, but she's fucking right about a lot of shit too. Yeah. Like she's fu- like, she's seen some shit and I'm like, whatever, I'm still going to follow her. Cause God damn, she's fucking on the money <laughs> so much. It's annoying. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's like the post left is not immune to yeah being a fandom having market dynamics, having like in-group, out-group thinking. It's not immune to it, but I think it's less susceptible to that um, because the thing that is being critiqued, which is the left fandom, it's like a fandom, anti-fandom right. relationship. So the left fandom, uh, any critique of the left, how it operates, any attempt to demystify how like the civil society sector is like completely changing like people's perception of the left and making it it's, ma- it's making like this dream world that 
is not tethered in reality anymore because people think like it's just workers versus the bosses or something and ignoring that the role of NGOs. Um, so if you critique the left, it, the people, people's reaction is kind of like the whole let people enjoy things, you know, mm. that kind of vein of like, oh, like, well, we're fighting for the right things. Like, why are you critiquing this? Just let mm -hmm. me enjoy this. Just let yeah. me believe in something. Uh, and if you critique the post left, I, I don't think you get the same reaction. Partially, you know, maybe that partially because it's uh, anti-fandom. Uh, but I, I do think there is there is less susceptibility to that only because it's it's not so uh it's not such a it's not in line with like with popular sentiments right now yeah i mean i could see it either ways on one hand i agree with you and on the other hand i disagree with you because i'm like we should always be like weary yeah. of you know falling into that sort of like you know because that's the system incentivizes us to be like well, these are my, this appeals to my sort of like sensibilities, <laughs> you know, I, the Fed post made a, a, po a post in the summer about how they're going to, it's sort of like a cheeky post about how they're going to platform all of the post left dirtbags mm. or something. And I, I replied and I was like, oh, this appeals to my sensibilities and my current sensibilities. And, you know, it's just sort of like a wink nod kind of thing, but yeah. Um, I mean, that's the thing is I, you know, I try to be constantly questioning myself. Maybe it's like a self gaslighting thing at this point. Maybe it's really bad that I do this, <laughs> but just constantly be like, okay, am I like believing a little too hard in this one thing? Am I caught up in like, you know, just sort of an in-group out-group thing? Is, is this like, or is this, is this just filling some sort of personal hole for me? Um, and and just like kind of constantly trying to like question walk away and sort of take a step back and be like why am i doing this what what purpose is this serving um because I, I you know i i think it's people fall into into it no matter what um and and i think that the po the post left whatever that it even is there's gonna be it's gonna be the same thing that happens with like bread tube or, or anything because bre i mean bread tube started out as sort of a a dissident kind of voice, right? I mean, it was sort of, they were going against the grain a little bit and there was all this stuff about, oh, the, the videos are getting buried in the algorithm because it's like leftist content. But then, you know, eventually the 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 forces took over and, and the people who kind of saw what was doing well in the algorithm kind of got massaged in that direction and, the, the algorithm adapted, the narrative adapted. I mean, that's kind of what my what the fuck is BreadTube video talks about is how, and this always happens, this ha happens over and over and over again. And I think we, we watched something recently about this is sort of like why progressivism isn't, isn't as good as we think it is because what, what ends up happening is that capitalism will always sort of, um, follow whatever is sort of the most edgy edge case kind of thing right and they'll they'll scold at first they'll say no this is you're too far gone but then you know within a few months that that energy that message has been subsumed because they say oh, wait 
this is the direct this is the direction we're getting pulled in and we have to now subsume it and use it for our own sort of regurgitating uh, and and um, reifying and repackaging of what we're you know the overarching system that we're all perpetuating um, you know it was funny as uh, I got I got a criticism there's one there's one uh, like anonymous person from our DSA chapter our former DSA chapter I guess we're, we're no longer members but um, who who kind of like follows me around Twitter and antagonizes me and they had a very similar critique um, that Carl Bajer had to the the post left it was sort of like a microcosm critique right because I'm I don't have as much social capital as any of the people in question that we're talking about but it was sort of the same kind of yeah. dynamic where they're like, you know, they're critiquing me and saying, um, you know, yes, people who don't agree with you are scared that their lucrative careers as unpaid activists with the DSA says content creator while directing people to their YouTube video. I want to find common ground with the post left, but what are you contributing? Um, so they're kind of saying that I'm trying to cash in on this sort of post left marketplace um, and like, I get that, like, sure. Like in a, in a way, maybe, maybe, uh, but I'm also just trying to connect with people who don't agree with me and I don't, and I'm not doing this. Um, I don't put my, my content out there, my message, because I'm trying to build some sort of career, um, out of it or, or profit out of it. Um, if I wanted to just build social capital and a career and and make money, I could do so very easily doing something much different. Like the path that I'm going down is not one that's like making me tons of like capital in any, any regard, you know, like this kind of stuff never really, it doesn't pay to be, to, to, kind of like point out uncomfortable truths. And I, I hate to say that because it makes me sound like I'm subservient. Well, like you're being like Carl or like Carl's <laughs> on welfare and not getting paid to, yeah. to write for Jacobin. So well, I'm not on, I'm not on welfare. Checkmate post left. <laughs> Carl should no, get I, a real job, I guess. <laughs> well, the, yeah, I mean, I know like this is also like a fandom anti-fandom thing because people you know, it's like, it's like the post left is punching, punching up on the left, but, uh, and so like any critiques that, that come from the left against the post left is like, oh, you're just punching down. We're just asking questions, you know, but there, there, I, I think there's, there's something about the left, I guess, that's particularly, particularly uh, insidious or troubling that it's positioned as the, the salvation of the working class or positioned as the path to, to winning a better world. And a lot of the people involved are, it's true. I mean, Carl, not just to center Carl's uh, lived experience, but a lot of people are not making money on the left, but the sense, the, the movement is, is controlled by money. It's, it's a, it's the same thing about how people, you know, leftists tr trying to own conservatives online, they'll be like, oh, 
Yeah, I, I just got my uh, my Soros Super Soldier check in the mail, and now I'm going to go out and uh, grab my my George Soros uh, stick, and I'm going to, you know, a George Soros brick, and I'm going to throw them through the window of a local shop, and, you know, I'm an Antifa Super Soldier. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's this obfuscation of the role that money is playing in these movements, and it's not that the individuals are like, we're not saying like, oh, all the individuals are drawing a salary, but people that are drawing salaries and that are dependent on like creating make work jobs <laughs> for themselves and dependent on kind of, you know, just like executing campaigns and collecting fees, collecting consulting fees, they are, they're using the left as a marketplace to get funding and patronage from more powerful people. And that includes politicians and billionaires, foundations. And so the, the unpaid people on the left are, are left to kind of rationalize all this because they believe in the product, they believe in the, the movement and they're left to kind of build a framework on, you know, they're not getting paid to do it. Carl is not getting paid to do it, but Carl is, is manufacturing the consent of people to throw themselves unpaid, unindoctrinated, uninoculated into the left to get to eventually get hurt and to burn out. And if you get hurt and burn out, you become part of the post left or you become <laughs> you, you go on the uh, the fascist pipeline. <laughs> and it's necessary now to like to brand this to, to continue to like brand this in group out group because the people that are like outcast from the left, they be, they become the undesirables, the untouchables yeah. because they don't, they don't, they're not true believers anymore. That's such an interesting point to think about. Like, yes, all this stuff, this sort of like very passionate, you know, left work, um, which is a total farce and people will get mad at me for saying that, but it, it's all bullshit. It is complete and utter bullshit. NGOs, it's all it's all run by NGOs and the DNC. It absolutely 100% is run by powerful people. It's a it's a controlled opposition, and they're relying on people to with with good natures and good souls to to think that they're becoming part of something bigger than they actually are. Um, and it's a it's a huge grift. It's a huge lie. And that's the thing, right? Is like shouldn't we be concerned about what happens when people figure that out? If no. they, if they ever do some people like that, this is what I refer to is like hitting the wall, right? Because some people, people will go one way or another, right? When they hit that wall and they sort of start to see the unraveling is they will either double down and say, no, I, I don't want to believe this. I have built up so much I've invested so much of myself into this that I refuse to believe it. And they sort of go into this sort of state of cognitive dissonance where they just don't, they don't want to, they don't want to hear the truth and they just keep, they keep going and they keep sort of avoiding that painful wall that they've hit or they hit that wall and they're like, well, fuck. And they become nihilistic and they become, you know, what do I do now? What do I do now? And like, getting mad at people on the post left like what other option do you see for these people do you see like 
they could do that or they could like become just reactionary nazis and be like well fuck this shit you know well well, not even not even the nazi thing but uh i mean if you watch century of the self and you think about or you don't even have to watch it but just think about what happened like after the after the first wave of like social social justice movements in the 60s and 70s that were funded by ngos that didn't go anywhere um all those people turned into yuppies like the 80s were the most self-absorbed decade that you know at least it's labeled that way i think but i think markets have incentivized us to become even more self-absorbed uh all those people just they stopped even attempting to to do collective action and to democratize the, the country and the world they stopped trying and they decided to just buy products that reflect their values back to them uh without without having to attempt to do anything. And I think that's what, the, I think that's, what's going to end up happening. Uh, you know, with the twenties, like there, there is going to be a flame out that a collective flaming mm-hmm. out of people being like, you know what, fuck this. Like everything I've tried turned out to be bullshit. I got burned and I'm just going to like unplug and like watch Netflix and watch consume content. And this is already what's happening. It's, it's not it's even pilled. like, that's there's the not even like, thing. there's not a, even going to be a clear demarcation. It's just like slowly happening uh, on a mass scale. They're like people, people gave it a try. They, they tried out like doing the blackout post on Instagram mm-hmm. and they went to a couple of marches and they're like, wait, like there's no like, coherent thing here going on. And like, I don't know what the fuck to think. And now they're, they're unplugged. They're, they're, they're done and they're going to consume content. They're going to consume like, you know, black stories on Amazon and Hulu and, um, you know, they're going to shop, shop local and support black businesses and stuff like that. But that, that moment that where they were attracted to something that was, that seemed like a change was happening and that something was something bigger than, than them was happening. And they wanted to be part of that moment and part of like this mass of people saying enough is enough, uh, for, for reasons that, <laughs> for reasons that are basically just about money uh that moment got got subsumed by capitalism and uh all these people like that opportunity is gone now um so yeah so i mean that's where like you know looking back to the past i think is really instructive like there hasn't been a citywide strike in 74 years you know like like there hasn't been a you know a there hasn't been a, a, ma- a shutdown in that long, uh, but we have seen this flowering and explosion of like what the left is today. And it seems like we're getting further and further from stuff that worked. Well, it's this fake sense of um, populism, right? On the sort of a fake left populism. People talk about like right populism, but there's, and it's these like screaming affinity groups who make it seem like everybody wants this thing but like it's really just like a handful of really extra people (laughs) just being like screaming the loudest and making it using you know marketing using social media to make it seem like they're bigger than they are and i think you and i experienced this firsthand with the tenants union because you and I um, work in marketing. We know how this stuff works. We applied our, you know, professional experience to the the tenant union, uh, 
And people in Kingston thought that the tenant union was like this huge, powerful thing. It's really just like three or four people at the most. <laughs> We're just like, we just knew how to make it look like, you know, quote unquote professional or whatever. It made it look like it had money behind it because what we do for a living, what we do for money, we did for the tenancy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's not, and that's not to say like, oh, we indiv as individuals, we failed to navigate like that. That's just the mode. That's like, that's where everyone's default. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. That's where everyone's default uh, course of action is when they're trying to get something, get something done, quote unquote, is that, oh, I need to make this look professional. Well, and I need, I need my, I need the, the organization's name to be on a letter with 25 other organizations. And by being among them, we're saying that like our community stands behind this thing when it's really not, it's just like words on a piece of paper. And, and, and my, my uh, thesis about that wouldn't be that, well, we shouldn't do that then we should, you know, just go back to like writing poster boards and doing everything, you know, Right. You know, That's just the uh, artisanal too. and um, yeah. <laughs> slow made, slow food, blah, blah, blah. made no. love. Uh, yeah, no. Instead, we should be making people aware of how things work. You know, those of us who are sort of like the media magicians who work behind the scenes and make things look fancy and expensive, we should be exposing how these things work, exposing how marketing works. Uh, to people and and show like show them behind the curtain and say like uh, yeah no Facebook like puts puts you into all these little micro demographics and then serves you ads and this is like this is how the the people in power see you as like a series of like affinities mm -hmm. and and this is how they they uh, manage people's perceptions and consent uh, is is through just understanding just all these little micro markets and demographic groups and affinities and um not that we shouldn't like you know it goes back to that master's tools and master's house quote um yeah I, and i'm not i'm not even for like using the master's tools to dismantle the master's house we should just we should explain how the master's tools work um I think that's the more powerful thing is, is saying like, this is exposing the master's tools, exposing, you know, how, how all this operates and, and saying how, and showing how much it's all just bullshit and you're being fooled. <laughs> you're being duped. Like, that's what I, that's what I hate about the Gravel Institute is they're fucking duping people. You know, people people are like, well, maybe it's not so bad. And, you know, they're like pushing out leftist ideology. And I'm like, yeah, but what about when people realize like that it's just a couple of rich kids from Scarsdale who are like taking money, you know, taking in like, you know, probably lots of foundation money and whatnot and realize oh, it's just another, it's just another media channel. It's just, an, right. it's just, a, it's just packaged to be something that appeals to you. It's not actually fucking helping you. It's just right. appealing to your sensibilities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the best, the best case scenario, even if, 
even if they're like being like Carl, maybe those kids from Scarsdale, maybe they're not taking any salary and they actually qualify for welfare and they actually are on Medicaid while they're working on it. They're not making any money from it. All the money goes directly which, to the Which by creators. the way, which by the way, you know, you have to be rich to be in a, you, you most likely have to be rich to be in a situation like that. You can't yeah. just say, I'm not taking a salary. I'm just going to collect I'm going to collect welfare and I'm going to collect unemployment and I'm going to collect Medicaid. You have to have like rich parents to be able to do that a lot of the time. And I don't think a lot of people realize this, that like a lot of rich kids take advantage of that. Um, and they, and you know what, I can't blame them, but that's how it is. A lot of people can say, oh, I don't take a salary. I don't take this. I don't take that because they don't have well- to. Well, yeah, and I, I don't even care. I don't, I don't even care about that shit because it's all about like it, it's all about individual marketing. It's like indiv- saying like my, your individual path to like making a product is like superior to the other ones. It just means that like somewhere else in the supply chain, exploitation is happening. It doesn't mean like anyone's better or worse than anyone else. But I think like the best case scenario with the Gravel Institute is that they're. Uh, even if it's perfectly made, like without any like exploitation or whatever, they're just selling pro- they're just selling values back to whales. You know, by, by whales I mean people that are like the super consumers of this stuff, and they're like, yeah. yes, like I'm super bought into owning the right by having this video have more views than the equivalent PragerU video. That's yeah. that's the best case scenario. Even if even if those kids are actually like, you know, the poor kids in Scarsdale or whatever, like, it doesn't matter to me. It just, the, the product, the product that they're putting out is a product. The product Um, sells you values. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And that's like that, that's what it was from century of the self was what you were talking about before, how, um, that sort of radical, uh, cluster of people got subsumed and co you know, turned into the new left because it just turned into like a new con- consumer demographic and now yep. they're doing the same thing. And it's just the, the products are a little bit more sophisticated. Now they're not just like I'm buying sneakers or like Subarus or whatever. And now it's the, the con, you know, it's content. That's the big, right. the big thing. Most people have all like the material, like they have like clothing and shoes and TVs and all these things. It's less about consumer goods and it's more about um, content because people have more and more time yeah. now too. So that's like really the, the, the direction everything's going yeah. in. I just want to, I just want to beat up, beat up on this point a little more. Just that just because somebody says somebody claims some kind of, uh, some kind of uh, status about like I'm on welfare. I don't have insurance. I'm not pay. I, I'm behind on my mortgage. I'm behind on rent. Uh it shouldn't matter as much as much as it does because if they're if they're simultaneously saying that and also selling you something in the form of either consume my content, donate to my nonprofit, uh, sign this petition, like it's it's just marketing and like the the way and not to like beat up on Carl but like the way he threw that out there, which I don't blame him. This is like the mode that we're in everyone is trained to like respond to this kind of messaging. Well, it's his credentials. He, he yeah. threw his credentials at you. The credential is like, I'm on welfare, but I'm writing this stuff because I believe in it. And like, that's marketing. That's just, that's just saying like, Oh, I am, 
I'm heckin' valid because of mm-hmm. <laughs> because of this status that I can claim. Like there's yeah. all kinds of statuses that that we can claim. It doesn't change like our arguments or right. what we have to say. There are there are even like even billionaires, like sure, they might have something, they might have something valid to say. I'm, and I'm not just gonna like lash out against like something, some some state some isolated statement someone says just because they're a billionaire. They're right. they're they could be right about some things. Uh Right. But, well, this goes yeah, back to what we're in. This goes back to what what I was saying in the in the very beginning is that like you have to sort of um, synthesize between um, extracting a message from somebody and saying like, okay, what what they're saying, they have a point here and there that I I agree with X Y and maybe Z I don't agree with, but um, I, this part of the argument I think has some some um, pertinence, but then. Also, at the same time, recognize why the, you know, what, what's motivating that person to say those things, because that's important too. Um, I mean, right, like Peter Buffett in that, in the nonprofit video, where I'm sort of like having a fake back and forth with him, because he's saying all the right things. And it's so frustrating, because he's like, oh, the money creates a dynamic that is, disastrous for real learning and it's like yeah i agree he's right i agree with peter buffett on that or or the line about uh oh they're the the billionaires they're controlling governments too yeah like right yeah exactly like he's (laughs) right chad yes he's absolutely right yeah but we also have to look at why why is the individual peter buffett and the position that he sits in why is he saying these things what's motivating him to say these things is he saying them because he's you know trying to dismantle the system um or is he trying to uh, that's the thing like what what motivates him um what are the incentives he's a rational actor he was born into a position that um I wouldn't work. I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. It's a terrible position to be in, um, but he he's trying to navigate that, um, and that doesn't mean that he's like totally just because he's the son of a of uh, insane you know person <laughs> a billionaire doesn't mean that he's like a bad person. He just happens to be in a bad situation, and he might actually have some like decent conclusions yeah. about the world, but. Yeah. Right. I mean, and there, it's about like the position that him or any other uh, downstream powerful person is. Like, uh, same thing with Mackenzie Scott or you know Jeff Bezos' ex-wife. Uh, the the tip, you know, the the easy thing to say, and this is why like videos about Bill Gates get so many views. Bill Gates and uh, Be- Jeff Bezos himself. It's like, oh. Well, he's bad. The money he's giving out is invalid. The projects are bad because it's just so that they don't have to pay as much in taxes. It's just that they're uh, using a backdoor to enrich themselves. And, you know, they made their money on the backs of workers and they're bad. It's really easy to paint them as the bad guy. But when you get one step removed, and this is the, the mystification, obfuscation that I think the left can't even, doesn't have the language to handle, which is a huge problem. And this is what attracts me to like uh, the good old boys, for example, like they, they have some decent takes on this. And also, uh, what's her name? Amy Teresi. Uh, when you get one step removed from that, 
and it goes to like a billionaire's son or a billionaire's daughter or billionaire's ex-wife, all of a sudden, like the money is totally clean. It's totally laundered. It's like, oh, this person just through no, no action of their own, they just happen to have all this money and they just want to redistribute it to some good folks. You know, some folks, some folks need the money. So they're just going to give it out. Uh, and it's totally clear of any like, oh, you're just doing this to protect your wealth. You're just doing this to save face. It's like completely removed from all that. Yeah. And everyone just uses that to like, oh, well, I believe, you know, the stuff that they're giving it to is totally clean. It's totally good. <laughs> and it's like, well, no, like now, like we've created just new power, new massive power imbalances where right. based on the books that these people have read, you know, or based on the conversation that they had that week, it's like, oh, well, oh, this, this guy, like, said some interesting things about the ocean. So I'm going to give $50 million. And they're even, you know? and they become even less accountable, less democratic in the process because right. it's just some individual or group of individuals deciding how money is spent. And it's basically just up to them how they want to spend it, which is the main problem. Like the fact that th these amount of resources are being decided upon by a small group of people they could be the best people in the world but yeah. not not that there is such a thing but if there was such a thing they might be the best that's the whole point right there is no such thing as the best people in the world there's no such thing as they might be the most well-meaning people in the world but still they're they're human beings and they're not going to be able to account for nobody put them in charge nobody they're not representing they're not representing everyone's needs. Uh, and the only way to, to make sure people's needs are met is to have their voices represented and yeah. ha have a say in how things in society are decided. Yeah. You know, something, something funny that, uh, that happened last week, you know, with the Mackenzie Scott stuff. So Anand Girahadis, who is kind of, he's kind of like a center left media figure, um, he's written a book. He wrote a book called Winners Take All, which is a critique of, of billionaires uh, using philanthropy. Uh, he's very much in the camp of selling a product where it's like, oh, they're the people in power. They're doing things the wrong way. But if you buy my book, I'll tell I'll tell you how they should be doing it. He's like selling yeah. the solution back to people. He's the decolonizing uh, wealth guy. Well, no, he's a, this is a different person. No, I mean, he's similar. He's oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. similar to that guy. Right, right, right. Uh, so he, he, he had a, a misfire <laughs> because he, in my opinion, he didn't, uh, I don't know. He got, he got it wrong big time. So he, he said that, oh, like Mackenzie Scott, uh, she's giving money taken from the working class of Amazon and giving it to historically black colleges. And he, he invoked the trope of like, oh, the working class is just white people and he is positioning the white working class against historically black colleges and universities that are un underfunded and are like a massive leg up for, you know, for black people and repairing that like inequity that's inherent in our system. So basically like the way he phrased it specifically got him canceled hard on Twitter because he like, his tweet was vague. It, was, it just said like, oh, the money is going from, you know, the workers at Amazon to these colleges. And it's, uh, and people like 
were like, oh, well, you, what you're doing, you're like, you're telling, you're weaponizing racial resentment of Amazon workers. And you're saying like, you're pointing at, you're pointing the finger at these black colleges and you're saying those people, they took the money from you. They have it now. Uh, and he just had no answer for this. He was just like, oh, I'm sorry. He deleted everything. And the thing was like, he actually, he could have made a really good point uh, because if you look at the demographics of uh, Amazon, the workers, 25, they have about a million employees. 25% of them are black. 65% uh, of them are people of color. Uh, the vast majority of these people are these, you know, these people that work these nightmarish jobs in the factory, in the warehouses, uh, delivering the packages, you know, Whole Foods monitored, not allowed to take bathroom breaks, pissing in bottles, on welfare. Like these people are like fucking suffering. And so money got taken from black minimum wage workers who piss in bottles. Their excess value uh, went to Jeff Bezos, who then, when he got divorced from his wife, she got some of the money and now she's giving it to elite institutions. Um, like H HBCUs and um, nonprofits that work in, in black communities. So like he's, he's basically taking money from minimum, you know, hundreds of thousands of people of color and black workers, and then giving it to these institutions where people with master's degrees get to decide how it's, how it's spent, how it's distributed, how it's used. Why can't the money just like be given back to the workers? You know, if he had said something like that, it wouldn't have been, I don't think anyone could disagree with that. Like there's, there's class too. And, you know, these like really poor people, they're getting stolen from, and it's going to like institutions that maybe their kids can go to someday, but like, why can't, why can't they just keep the money in the first place? Like, why do, why do we need this giant middleman of like funneling the money to these nonprofits and colleges so that maybe their kids can like have those services someday? Why can't the workers just have it to begin with? To maintain, um, to maintain the system, yeah. to, to maintain the order of the current order of things. Yeah. But you already know that. <laughs> yeah. I just like, ran, I just ranted. It just like really bothered me. And I, I just feel like there's something common about that with like the obfuscation that happened because like he just, he has no, I mean, he's like, he is famous because he does not have that analysis. If he had that analysis, he would not be famous. I would not be talking about it. Yeah. But right. the fact that he, he made that misstep and then was like remorseful about it because he did like, obviously he said it fucking wrong. He got it wrong. Mm -hmm. People got mad because like, yeah, he got it wrong. <laughs> he got it wrong straight up and uh, he could have made a much better point. And that's why he's famous. And I think that's why like anybody to tie this back to this larger thing, like anybody, if you see someone on your TV or in your feed and they're being presented to you as an expert, like you should be skeptical of like, how did this person get here? Even if this person says they're on welfare or they're uninsured or they're this or that, like you should always be skeptical of like, why is, why is this person's voice being transmitted to me? Why am I seeing yeah. this information? Right. And, and be, like, and, and literally do that right now with, yeah. with what you're listening to right now between right. me and Alex, be skeptical of us too. Like totally. How do we have the time to do this? Right. Why, are we, why are we doing this? Why you are know? we doing this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why are we allowed on these platforms? You know, like they're questions worth asking.
Absolutely. Always, always. And I think that's kind of like why I have a respect for, you know, the Teresis and, you know, Peter Coffin does this a lot where they'll be like, you know, you should, you should question people who actively push away this fandom culture who say like, don't do not like, they don't lean into it, you know, because that that's, I mean, that's where the money is, right? That's where, that's where you build social capital. That's where you build audience is leaning into this fandom culture and no, no shade to anyone who has to, to do that. That's, that's the paradigm that we're given is how to survive is that you have to build up your social capital networks. And I think a lot of people don't really understand what social capital means, right? They think that, um, because now that we have um, social media, they just think, oh, it's just all your likes and this and that. Social capital existed well before social media. Um, It's just a quantification of of some of it. Right, now it's just just really obvious and quantified uh, through social media networks. and this was the uh, the the sort of observation that I made about um, the argument between two left tube slash bread tube creators named Kelly Zahos and um, Curio, uh, and I made sort of this observation that both of them are operating within you know the confines of social capital. I operate in it too. I'm not saying, oh, well, they do it and I don't. Like yeah. we all, we all have to, you know. Like we all have to, like, kind of be nice to people within our sort of our field. Um, you can't just be burning bridges, right? That's where that comes from. Is burning burning bridges is literally like throwing your social capital in the garbage. Um, so, you know, then then you get into sort of these competitive. Um, fandom cultures and uh, cultural ideas uh, where people disagree on things and then people get caught up in like sort of this cultural football, um, football games and football teams. Uh, I'm on the LGBTQ team or I'm on the trans team or I'm on the, you know, this or that team. And, and, and um, you know, there's a, there, there's a lot of, market incentive to get involved in things like this, which is why you see people like, you know, Ben Shapiro and, and um, Steven Crowder make massive livings off of, off of uh, these cultural um, football teams. And, you know, I don't, I don't like judge anyone for getting involved in this stuff. We're all just trying to figure out a way to survive in this fucked up, world and and sometimes like joining one of these football teams seems like a decent way to make a living and you know i've i've no no hate for anyone who does that kind of stuff but i'm going to talk about i'm going to observe it and i'm going to call it what it is and that's what it is um and i'm not gonna like try to take sides because I don't really feel like my personal opinions on things is, is something that I want to like cultivate, you know, an audience around. Um, 
I'd rather cultivate an audience around ideas. You know, I have personal preferences about things and that I want to kind of like save that for my personal life with my friends um, and not turn it into like a, a way to, you're shaking your head at me. Well, how you're, dare you're, ju- you're, you're judging me. You're supposed, you're supposed to marketize and commodify every aspect of your life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the ins- empowerment. The incentive is there. The incentive is totally there. And, you know, there have been times that I've sort of put, put the bit in and, and done it a little bit. I mean, a big thing within like, I hate to even bring this up, but like, you know, a, a, a cultural norm for transgender people is to fund your, your surgeries through GoFundMe and to make posts about it and to say like, I'm a trans person and I need, I'm, I need money for my surgeries because, you know, getting our surgeries covered through insurance, if you have it is fucking hard. And there's a lot of like extra costs associated with it. A lot of trans people face a lot of social stigma and it, it can, it, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of hurdles and so trans in, in popular trans culture, we're incentivized to sort of use that as a selling point, use our sob stories as like a selling point to get people to donate. I mean, and that's what GoFundMe is, right? Is it's, 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 uh, it's healthcare for, um, it's social capital healthcare. Yep. Yeah, it's it's turning your social capital into money, <laughs> and it's sickening. It's re- it's revolting that you have to like that your whether or not you get the health care you need is based off of how much social capital you have. It's repugnant and repulsive. And I remember you did a study years back to see a lot of the people who you know were trying to get funding for whatever various medical care that they needed. And a lot of them didn't meet their goals because they just didn't have a lot of friends or family or social capital and people donating to them because they're not like well-liked or whatever, uh, for whatever reason. Right. Well, no, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're upper middle class or you're middle class and you have friends that are middle class and upper middle class and you're temporarily, uh, ten, you have a tenuous moment where you have an accident and you don't have coverage at that moment, you're, you're, you have a network that is capable of supporting you. And if you're a poor person and you don't have a network that's capable of supporting you and you, you put up a GoFundMe, like I saw a post from people like looking at that, you know, rural salt of the earth people that had like severe injuries that couldn't work anymore and uh, they got like 60 bucks, you know, because the, and the picture, even if I wanted to share it, I couldn't because like the picture is blurry. It's not really descriptive. It's not written well. It's not like, and they like, they, they would need to be uplifted. <laughs> this is what's fucked up too, is that they would need someone with more social capital right, to come in and be a savior and like uplift their story and say like, oh, like I am, I'm marketing your, your story to get you the funds that you need and GoFundMe is going to take, you know, a cut 
it's like, oh God, it's <laughs> it, GoFundMe is like the purest expression of of uh, the gig the gig platform mentality, the hell world that we're headed towards. Yeah, so, you know, it's right. so it's so transparent of like because it has the social capital aspect, which I think some of the other platforms don't really have. Like mm -hmm. they have rating systems, like Uber and whatnot have rating systems, but GoFundMe has that social capital aspect where it's like you have to bring your audience to it and then you, you need it to pay for <laughs> pay for like either your rent or your moving expenses or your funeral expenses or medical expenses. Oh, it's uh, it's a, it's a bad one. It's bad yeah. to look at. We saw a lot of that over the summer with like, um, you know, I'm, I'm a POC, I'm black, you know, here's my cash app time for reparations kind of thing. Or I saw like, you know, friends of mine who are white, who are like, dear fellow white people, it's time for us to redistribute our money and yada, yada. It's like, are you fucking, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this isn't what we shouldn't be fighting to like redistribute money within the working class. We should say, no, none of us deserve to be suffering. You know, it's like, it's, it, you know, it trickles down is not the, it's not the money or the resources or the wealth. It's the ideology that trickles down. And this ideology that like, we should all just like bucket ourselves into the most tiny little micro demographics and focus our energies and, and, and recreate hierarchies, but in the opposite direction, they think that hierarchies in the opposite direction is what's going to take down the, you know, the bad hierarchies. We just need to replace them with good hierarchies. And it's like, right. Which, yeah, which is, I think, I think to take to connect this back to things, it's like when people critique the left, they're critiquing like the power structure and the incentives and the source of the evil is the money at the top, right? And the power, the concentration of power at the top. And then all these people are empowered to act as like shields for that, you know, defending the ideology. Uh, <laughs> and uh, what is that? All, that's the, that's the Zizek uh, slurp. Oh, <laughs> uh, you got to work on your impressions. Yeah, you know, it's not very good. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a theater kid like you. Uh, so like, Car I mean, Carl's kind of position is like one of the gatekeepers of this thing. So when you say like, oh, you know, there's something wrong with the left, like people, people like Carl are like in the way of that and defending, defending it and mystifying it and like, right reflecting some of the attacks back at people. Right. Uh, and so like, you know, the same thing with the, to tie that back to what you just said about, you know, working class or middle-class people doing reparations, like we're, you know, we need to point that, that, we need to point that energy at like the state and at the billionaires. They're the ones that have the resources. You know, we have a tiny, I think we're, we're middle-class. We have a tiny bit more resources, but like our individual choice, just like our individual morality of like, Oh, I'm on welfare right now, or I don't get paid to write articles. Like it doesn't, our individual choices don't matter. We need to, the only choice that matters is if we're going to collectivize to take the resources from the top and redistribute them to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, especially, you know, the people that need it the most, but everybody Mm -hmm. And uh, instead of saying like, oh, well, my individual choice, like I'm going to give the extra $20 I have, like, if you, sure, if you want to, that's fine. Like that's charity. 
it's fine. If you have a friend that needs money, like if you can like help, help out your friend, but uh, it's not any substitute for like collectivizing to take the, take the money from the people, the people that are fucking hoarding it and who would just want to give it out in like very speci specified ways uh, that aren't helping people enough that are like locking in these systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, like just like I, I said on a previous podcast about some DSA chapter that's doing a reparations fund. It's like, sure, that's char charity. If you want to give out money, like if you have money and instead of spending it on something, like you want to give it out to people, sure. But like, that's no substitute. Like this is the, the impotence of the left is like, why, why aren't we like fighting harder to redistribute this stuff? And why are we like protecting people like AOC that, want the optics of like saying I'm fighting for Medicare for all and I'm unapologetically going right. to fight for it. But then there's all these like, Oh, but I can't do it that way. I can't do it that way. Oh, you need to ask this special way. You need to do this. You know, like yeah. what, what, you know, uh, I think it boils, what do we have to lose? <laughs> yeah. It boils down to, and all this stuff kind of boils down to, um, you know, why critique things, you know, and it's like, because we need to, we need to absolutely like crack this fucking veneer and like, and 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 crack it open and say why are we doing things this way because i mean but we're winning <laughs> yeah i mean the reason the the reason that the the ruling class maintains power is because they manufacture the consent of the underclass if if all of a sudden people realized what the fuck's going on they like you know, they, they fear us, those in power, they fear us. Um, and they don't want us to catch on. So if you're, if you're worried about people questioning things, you know, and, and you're, you're, um, suspicious, I mean, be suspicious of people and their intentions, but like, you know, criticize the power structure, right? Criticize yeah. power where it is. It's like Carl's uh, accusing these folks of like, he, you know, the, the final sentence in his post says, uh, or the, the final two sentences say, for now, this is more of an annoyance, meaning the post left, for socialists than a significant threat. But if any of the oligarchs ever decide to write an impulsive check, the U.S.'s chronically pinched Marxists are going to have a fight on our hands. Uh, to that, I want to say, like, motherfucker, like, that's already the case. Like, that's already the case. Black Lives Matter is funded by oligarchs, by the fucking, by billionaires. How much more do you need? No. Well, yeah, that's just you listening to the people on the ground. You know, the people on the ground and the front lines organizers are saying that, but you need to trust the media that is <laughs> that's i know selling, you're, selling I know you you're joking i know you're joking but people on the ground aren't even saying this but some people you know some people at least had a critique of like the main organization which here's the thing like i, I realize it is just kind of it, it can be like just intra-party fighting where like some people like want more power in, in this movement and some and some people seem to be hoarding it but even that critique even this like critique on the uh on the accepting that like the movement is you know organic 
even that critique, like where pe- there's like uh, dissent within the movement, people can't even handle that. And uh, that's a huge problem. <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah, man. I mean, that's why like I f- can't even handle our DSA chapter because I bring up one fucking thing. I say, guys, like the term consumerism is was coined by, you know, somebody who worked for Henry Ford as a way to literally, he, he quite literally said that he wanted to take heat off of capitalism and put it on the consumer. And now you're using it as like your, your, you know, your thesis for all this like degrowth eco-socialism bullshit. Maybe you should like take a look at what you're basing your argument off of. And they said, they said, no, fuck you. You're being toxic. (laughs) Well, your name is really tox. It's not Fox. (laughs) Yeah. You've been listening to the Space Commune podcast. I'm Fox. I'm Alex. Follow me on Twitter. I'm Alex SPCM. Yeah, go go give this poor guy some follows. Yeah, I need I need some clout. Fox is like double my Twitter followers. I have a, I yeah I have a huge account. Me and my 800 dedicated followers. Yeah, because you're farming my fucking ideas and you're like passing them off as your own. Look, when we got married, we decided that there is no. There's no individual in this relationship. We're just a, we're just a uni person now. <laughs> hey, you do it to me too. Never. <laughs>